0: Hey, weirdos, we are back. I am so excited for this episode. This might be my favorite content that we've ever covered for a podcast. So with that, dust off your Ouija board, call up your favorite medium, because tonight we're talking about spirits. The Mysteriously Eclectic Podcast is a proud affiliate of Philips 1-800-Florals. If you're anything like me, whenever I find myself needing to send flowers, it's always at a moment's notice, and it's hard to know who will deliver to the area and if the flowers will even look nice when they get there. Philips 1-800-Florals is a one-stop shop to send flowers to anyone online, both here in the U.S. and internationally. So if you're looking to send flowers to someone special, Check out the link in our show notes to learn more. So Erin, have you ever felt like you've gotten a message or something from the beyond? Yes. Yeah? (laughs) I know I totally have. I definitely believe in this sort of thing. What about you? I do too, for sure. I think we have ways of accessing information. I I think that some people are just more tuned into it, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. I seem to come from a long line of people who are maybe a little bit more like sensitive to tuning in, maybe. I feel like you do, for sure. And I recently have come to find out that this definitely is the case, which is actually super comforting, you know? Like I've come to find out that there are people in my family that have sort of been into this stuff for a long time and I never really knew it. So it's just... Sort of like a missing puzzle piece, I guess, you know? And so we kind of say that I come from a long line of weirdos.
1: I like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you know what my aunt told me, like just recently, actually? She said that weird comes from German and it means to fully become oneself. I like that. I love that. Yes. And oh. I. I like how that's kind of become sort of our slogan, you know, Mm -hmm. weirdos. And I I love that, you know, you're just becoming, becoming yourself. But today we're not talking about ghosts. This isn't a ghost story show. It's not about like the things that go bump in the night or anything like that. We are digging way deeper than that. We are going full-blown spirit entity today. So strap in folks, because we're covering all kinds of stuff. It's gonna be a journey today, but we have some amazing stories to cover and they will help us investigate the different types of spirits or entities that people seem to interact with. And I think, covering all these different stories will help us to discuss what might really be happening here and where we think that this might all be coming from. Erin, you looked into a little history here for us, right? I sure did. Yeah, so I think we're gonna have you kind of start us off with some history of the spiritualist movement here and mediumship. It kind of seems like a logical place to start before we go full-blown nuts right? Yes. Okay.
1: I'm just going to go into the basics of things and I could go on a whole TED talk <laughs> at this point <laughs> about the history of this and get into the nitty gritty stories, uh-huh. but I'm going to give you guys the minimum because I've heard that B he has got some crazy stories. Yeah. So first of all, let's talk about spiritualism. Like what is the basics of spiritualism? For those of you who don't know, it's a belief that souls that have departed this life can still interact with us living beings. So spiritualists seek out to make contact with the deceased, usually assisted by a medium. And a medium is what you'd find between a size small and a size large. I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. A medium is a person who has the ability to contact spirits. Spiritualists and mediums exist all over the world and stories of them go all the way back to the Bible.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So I I'm actually surprised because I'm like, oh, I bet she already knows that. I didn't know that. I feel like most people when they think of like spiritualism, and maybe you cover this, mm-hmm. but I feel like they usually think of that like maybe early 19th century, like, you know, turn of the century, like Victorian era. Yeah time period so i didn't realize it had such a long history
1: the one of the stories that the bible talks about there's a couple of them is the witch of endor which doesn't that sound like a star wars character it does (laughs) um so she was a female sorcerer who was visited by saul who was the first king of israel okay and saul had banished all the sorcerers and conjurers from his kingdom But then he ended up going to one for help in secret later. Um, The witch reminded him that her art was banished and he assured her that she wouldn't get in any trouble. And then she conjured up a spirit identified by Saul as Samuel. The spirit told Saul that his three sons and him would die in battle the next day and that the Israelites would fall, which is bad news. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So this story is actually cited throughout the ages and has inspired a lot of authors to write about it and people to look into this. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, in the middle ages, people thought that others were possessed by devils. There were talks of levitation and they would speak through others in languages that that person didn't know. So to explain that a little better, that would be like if I rose out of my chair right now and started speaking fluent French. Ooh. Yeah. I would love to see that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like it to happen to me, but I would like to see that. <laughs> I, <it. would. laughs>
0: I mean, I guess if I knew French after,
1: I'd be okay. Yeah, that. it'd
0: be like a win-win. And and as long as we could like get you down, you know. <laughs> yes, that's
1: yes, a good point. Um so they would also obtain knowledge through these spirits and the same situations um, were also reported during the more modern witch trials of the levitating and yep. speaking. So now moving on to the 19th century, in the US and the UK, spiritualism started a huge rising as a religious movement. So from here on, all of this is referred to as modern spiritualism. Okay. The Fox sisters, which i not Yep. Yep. <laughs> Familiar. <laughs> yes. They would give lectures and classes in New York starting in around 1848. Um, their thing was that they could communicate with the spirits through knocking and rapping. And these girls were extremely popular. And we should we should say it's not rapping in the popular sense. Oh no, no, it is they not. Yeah, they didn't break into <laughs> rap lyrics. Yes, it was like a like like basically knocking. Yeah, but. They constantly refer to it as rapping, so I wanted to make sure that I that I said yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, these sisters admitted late in life that they had been a hoax, and they actually came forward to the public and showed how they fooled them all. Which it's the audacity for me. Yeah, <laughs> like- exactly. I cannot imagine spending your whole adult life making a living and performing and then to be like, okay, suckers, we scammed you all. And now you're going to sit and watch us show you how we did it. Exactly. And do you know how they did it? I have heard, but why don't you tell the listeners? They did it by flicking their toes to make snapping sounds. And I tried to do this many times. I can kind of do
0: it. I don't think you can pick it up but my toes make noises when I flick them. A little bit, yeah. I'll see if I can put it by the microphone. (laughs) So for a visual here, I am holding my foot by the microphone.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm getting a cramp. Okay. Okay, hold on. I feel like I can do it better than you, so... (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe.
0: Okay, well, we'll see if that picks up in the microphone. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll edit this this out.
1: Yes, you'll never know. (laughs) I also read that uh, like a year or so later, they went back again, and they said, "No, no, no, we weren't lying. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just a mess after that." Yeah, I heard about that. But they continued to tour, and people would still pay to see them, even with all of that. Like so why? I don't understand. Yeah. Um. Then there were the trance mediums, and I may not say these right. I'm just gonna go ahead. Pashal Beverly Randolph and Emma Hardinge Britton. To name a couple okay so these two put out multiple books about the subject separate separate books um emma emma i love and i'm kind of obsessed with her story so when she was a child she could predict the future saying and i'm talking a young child she could predict the future saying that she saw it in visions she could tell these strangers about their relatives that had passed away and people that she had never met She could also play the piano, and people said that they would just think of a song, and she would randomly start playing it when
0: they didn't even say it out loud. Oh, that's interesting.
1: So you might know what I'm going to relate this to, but I've got a little pause story here. Okay. So my admission, something that only a few people know about, and I guess I'm just going to talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) Now everyone knows. Now everyone knows. But I used to do something like this as a child. Really? And with the radio and it would freak my mom out. So we'd be sitting in the car, the radio would be off and I'd tell her, turn on 102.5, the new Celine Dion song is on. (laughs) And it would be. She would turn it on and there it would be playing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't just do this like a couple times. I did this all the time. And I would, I remember I'd get this strange feeling Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even describe it. It was like, this is not a guess. Like I know I'm gonna be right.
0: And then I'd say it out loud, and then I would be. Now, do you notice that you have a harder time with modern technology guessing things? Like, do you have the same type thing? Thing not as much as when I was a kid.
1: Okay, like, I feel mm-hmm. like when I was a kid, I could it, it happened a lot more. Okay,
0: yeah. Because I was talking about this recently with my with my aunt, and we both realized that we used to be able to oftentimes and I always refer to it as it reminds me of like you know the show Frasier who I mean oh yes yes I
1: am aware of the show <laughs> Frasier
0: I've watched it like 15 times so for the the listeners out there one of the characters in Frasier Daphne who fun fact Aaron's dog is named after yeah she is she is like kind of psychic but like in like not always the most useful way. Right. Yeah, like sometimes she just like knows things. I feel like sometimes that's a little bit how I am. Like sometimes I'll just like kind of know stuff, but it's not useful things. right? And so that's kind of how I was with the telephone, but only old telephones, not cell phones, Mm. telephones. So like the plugged into the wall telephone back when I was a kid, and maybe being a kid was part of it, I would sort of know when it was going to ring, sometimes, not always. And I would know who it was going to be, sometimes, not always. And she said that she had the same thing that would happen to her. And she's noticed that it's not it doesn't happen with cell phones. Mm -hmm. So like I remember we would sometimes get these calls where no one would be on the line. And a lot of times I would know when that would be the case. I would pick up the phone and I would know no one is going to be on the line and I would be right. And I don't know why I would know that, but it was, it's the same thing. I get this feeling. Yeah. Sort of almost like a warm and fuzzy feeling, but not in like a good way. And I knew, I knew that no one was going to be on that line and I knew that I was going to be right. Oh, that's wild. I love talking about this. Me with too. You. Yes. Yeah.
1: I almost wish that I could have like brought my mom on to be like, see? Like, yeah. <laughs> see? It's <laughs> not just like, me. it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I will still get this feeling like, and it's weird. It's when we're playing like trivia or a board yeah. game or something like that. There was something we were playing and uh, my husband, he was like, how are you getting all these answers? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just
0: get this weird feeling. Yeah, and I just know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at one time, my husband, this was back before we were married. He, We were riding in the car and all of a sudden he goes, Hey, I'm going to need you to, and then he kind of got distracted and I said, notarize something for you. And he looked at me and he goes, how did you know that? (laughs) And I kind of thought about it and I go, well, I don't know how I knew that. He'd never asked me to notarize something before. I didn't know what he wanted me to notarize. I had absolutely no clue why I knew that, but I knew it, you know, it just popped into my mind and I knew it. And he's never since asked me to notarize something. It was not a discussion we'd had, so I don't know. Bizarre, it
1: is weird. I love it. <laughs> so maybe we both feel this kinship with our with our Emma. Yes, yes, we must. Um, so also, I think this is amazing that there are so many women, especially around this time, where women couldn't even vote yet Uh and they were leading these lectures they're writing books they're being in front of an audience like sister suffragettes man yes (laughs) it gave them an outlet it did Uh um there were many scientists at this time as well who studied this and they tried to prove it wrong and some scientists say that they did prove it wrong and some scientists actually converted to spiritualism after studying it
0: interesting because they
1: were like there's no explanation for how this is happening so i that is pretty neat um during this time it was also all mess because there were a ton of scam artists trying to take advantage of its popularity Mm -hmm. in the 1920s and 1930s there were around a quarter million people who were practicing spiritualists wow so it is still very popular in the uk and i think it's popular here in the us but it's more of like i don't want to say it's more like a joke here sometimes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i don't personally think it's a joke but it's just commercialized and people in general don't think it's real and the people that do are kind of labeled as an oddball or weirdos as i slowly (laughs) raise my hand yes (laughs) (laughs) and it's because we've got all these scammers and you can see this in shows and movies hollywood tends to portray ghosts and spirits as evil and scary but it's kind of a different story in the uk and i have a friend who lives there and she was telling me that they have these spiritualist churches there are a lot over there you go on a Sunday, you sit in these pews, and you sing, and then they just also happen to be channeling the spirits. It's
0: interesting. Yeah. My aunt lives in the UK, and we did have a very um, in-depth metaphysical discussion um, when I saw her very recently, mm-hmm. and so I'll have to ask her about oh, this. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. And I'm, I'm so glad that you told me about this. Um, This random convo that I had like a month ago leads right into this episode. So friend, if you're listening, thank you. Um, (laughs) And I went on a random church website Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me all like the warm feelings because there were pictures of people sitting in the pews. They're all ages. um, Like elderly, young, everyone, the website looks just like a regular church website. And I actually took a quote from one Mm -hmm. of them from the the Brighton and Hove National Spiritualist Church. And I'll read it. It says, we have private sittings on the first Saturday of every month between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. No need to book, just pop in between those times and have a private reading. We hold occasional workshops throughout the year as well. We're always busy with something here at Edward Street, whether you're interested in a private sitting, healing, workshops, demonstrations, or a service. Oh, I know. I want to go there. I I would 100% go to this. (laughs) And it kind of seems like it's kind of like a Catholic church, except instead of confession, you go to your separate readings, Mm -hmm. which is cool. It's interesting. So um, I'm actually going to link in our show notes to a listing of these spiritualist churches um if anyone's interested in checking them out or even just perusing their websites um and if you have been to one like let us know what it was like and I actually found out we do have a few in the U.S. not as many of them yeah. over there mm-hmm. um the closest to us is like hours away but oh
0: yeah maybe we'll have to plan a field trip someday yes <laughs>
1: I, that would be super fascinating yeah, it would so now backtracking back a little people have used lots of objects to speak to spirits Tipping tables, spirit slates where ghosts could write on them and leave messages, spirit telegraphs spirit typewriters which that was a circular typewriter and these typewriters were interesting because you couldn't see what it was typing as Mm -hmm. it was spinning around and the point in not seeing it was that they hoped it would lead to a more pure conversation with the spirit Hmm. since you can't
0: immediately react to what it's typing i've not heard of spirit typewriters and this segues nicely into something i'm going to talk about later oh exciting
1: Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison even took their turn with spirit radios and telephones. Interesting. So apparently they could hear disembodied voices when they were conducting their experiments. Ooh. I know. And they wanted to see what would happen if they messed with it more. Um, Then there are also Ouija boards. Um, These have been around since 1890. And I feel like it's something we obviously have to mention if we go over the history of all Mm of this. Um, so this is something that I won't mess with a Ouija board. Yeah, me neither. They kind of
0: creep me out a little they bit. They
1: do. I remember, I think one of my friends were talking about Ouija boards, and my dad took me aside later after they were gone, and he said, never try to use a Ouija board or mess with this mm-hmm. stuff. And I promised him that I would never use one, and I never have, so I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm not going to mess with a, a Ouija board. I feel like you should have a professional helping you.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I agree. Like, yeah. It depends what you're doing. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just I feel like it definitely opens doors, and right. whenever you open a door, you might not know what's gonna come through. You know? Right, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the whole Ouija board thing. It was, it turned into like this, it used to be this more like pure thing. Yeah. And then it turned into like a, people were trying to like conjure evil things mm-hmm. and just, It. I don't know, maybe Hollywood I, messed with it.
0: I think there's a lot to be said with any of this of intention, the right. intention that you go into it. You know, if you go into something with a good intention and a pure intention, then I think what you get what you get out of it is probably more positive than going in to it with the goal of being scared.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, this is very random, but the Magic 8-Ball was made by a man named Albert Carter, and he was inspired by his mother, who was a spiritualist. Oh, interesting. So, yes, those, those are two toys, the Ouija board and Magic 8-Ball, that were readily available at Toys R Us when I worked there. Really? Huh. I don't think the Magic 8-Ball was meant to yeah. be anything like that, but it was just inspired, inspired by
0: it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, how it kind of like comes up from the depths, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: Um, so there are also more modern stage mediums, and I have a story about this. So lots of stories proved that these people were frauds, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the ones trying to make these huge profits. Yes. And I remember reading something years ago that one of these guys that had a TV show, and this was so long ago, I can't even cite my source on this one, um, but this guy would randomly call people up from the audience or start saying things like, does anybody know someone named Cheryl who had a black lab? And people would be amazed because. Are you
0: talking about like recently? I mean, it was in my lifetime. Yeah, like, like in the early, like when we were kids, like early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Oh, yeah. He used to have a TV show. Yeah. 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 And, and I
1: don't remember. I, I don't remember his name. I was trying to look it up online. I'm like, I can't find this. I can't find this story. Yeah. I can't find this person. He was just like a, like a middle aged man. <laughs> yes. and yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. So people would be like, oh my gosh, yes, he knows everything. Well, it turns out that for this show, you had to buy tickets for it. When you bought them, then he would get your address and he'd send somebody to your house. Maybe they'd pose as a vacuum salesman or something. And then they'd be like, oh, can I just use the restroom? And then they'd make sure they took a really good look inside your house, look around, maybe see a picture of Cheryl with her black lab. Then they'd get this info Give it to the guy so he could look like he was channeling a spirit and i personally think this is awful yeah i think there are some people out there who think they can channel spirits mm-hmm. and maybe they can't but openly deceiving people is very scammy and exactly gross
0: well and sometimes i wonder if people like get in over their heads you know because like for example not saying that i am talented in the ways that any of these people are but just saying anyone i know that seems to sometimes have these weird abilities it's like you can't really control them they just right. kind of happen when they happen and mm-hmm. sometimes things and again i'm not saying i'm psychic i'm not saying that i'm a medium or anything like i am yeah. i am usually a medium though just, you know, if I go to Target. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, but if, you know, if anyone wants to buy me anything, um, it's not always like under your control, you know, Mm -hmm. like at least in my experience, I can't make things happen. Um, so I wonder if sometimes these people kind of get in over their heads, maybe they are attuned to something. And the minute that it starts to be, Commercialized, maybe they can't always deliver on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it starts out with good intentions. Right. And then it doesn't. Is it bad that i the whole time you're saying this, I'm thinking
1: of Professor Trollini from Mary Potter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that the how perfect you say case? her name. How do you say her name? I always said Trolley. Trolley? <laughs> I don't know. That's always in my head. <laughs> I'm questioning everything right now. I know we're talking about the same person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, exactly what you're talking about, Yeah, that's about, exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, no spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Like, I, yeah. I mean, at this point, okay. At this point, <laughs> if you have not watched Harry Potter, just... It's your own damn fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking... I'm, I'm going to be talking about it for sure. <laughs> many times. Yeah, it's Harry Potter just going to come up a lot. Yeah. So. yeah. so, yeah, that's what I've got for the history. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever tried
0: to contact anyone from the thereafter? So, I know this might be a personal question.
1: I don't think I've ever, like, I've done the whole, like, please give me a sign. Mm -hmm. And, like, Well, and this links into religion. Because now I feel like people separate it a little bit. But back then it was, like, Christianity was right with this stuff. Yeah. But I remember, um, like, there's been times where I've prayed for a sign. And I found a sign. Mm -hmm. And... I actually like ran into someone today when I was when I was on my way to your house I stopped at Quick Trip
0: Midwest. Midwesterners (laughs) know what we're talking
1: about. And someone asked me, uh, one of the workers there, Kelly, was like, oh, why are you dressed up so nice? And I said, oh, I'm just going to film a podcast. (laughs) And um, she asked what we were talking about on today's episode. And I told her it was about this. And she's like, I totally believe in that. Mm -hmm. I totally believe in it. And she told me a story about how when her friend passed away, she asked them to please send her a sign. Mm -hmm. And um, her friend would send her hummingbirds like she'd see like five a day and that's what her friend likes yeah and it was just you know it was kind of cool yeah hearing those I feel like I have little stories like that too yeah
0: you know it's interesting like I I'm full-blown weirdo over here Mm -hmm. and I mean I think that sometimes it makes it hard because it seems like you can't be religious and like spiritual at the same time. Like right. those things can't go together. In my brain they do. In my I think brain so too. they go together just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, to each their own. And to me, like I have definitely tried like I uh, you know, scrying, I've, you know, during meditation, I've tried to just see what comes through. And I've never tried anything like a Ouija board or anything like that, but you know, I don't know if you're familiar with scrying, but basically it's, it's sort of like, okay, I don't stare into crystal balls or anything like that, but it's the same idea. Like basically you kind of meditate while you stare at something and you just see what comes to you. Some people will try writing and just seeing what happens. Some people have ever seen Tyler Henry he's like the Hollywood medium. Yes. Mm-hmm. He kind of has his own version of it where he just scribbles and, mm-hmm. s- you know, he'll see what comes to him. And the scribbles aren't necessarily telling him anyway anything. It's just his way of letting his brain kind of, you know, go. So yeah. like automatic writing, I have tried all these different things and I've had things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a family member who openly communicates with, loved ones who are no longer here anymore. And, you know, I have had some success. I guess I don't really try super hard. I guess I just kind of try to be like open, you know, like open to it. Um, There are certain family members who seem to pop in more frequently than others. I have a, you know, a grandma who seems to readily pop into my life and I feel very influenced by her. Um, all the time. Um, Another grandma who I was very close to, not so much. And it's weird after she's passed, I've not had anything, nothing, nothing at all, which is fascinating to me. Um, But I recently had an uncle pass. And I had something very strange happen. I think I told you this story, but I woke up from a dream. And this was totally passive. This was not me trying to I did have some things pop up during my like meditation and you know, automatic writing sessions where there was painting that was popping up and he was a painter Mm -hmm. and it kept popping up and I knew that painting was him. And so I kind of dismissed it because it was so obvious that that would be him that I thought, you know, is this something in my subconscious, you know, because he had just passed. Well, I woke up from a dream and, um, the dream wasn't about him. I just had kind of woken up and all of a sudden I was like, you know what I think I'm going to do this weekend. And you know how you kind of like make your plans. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go to the craft store. Cause I'm a big crafter and I'm going to buy some paint and I'm going to buy some canvas and I'm going to paint. And this wasn't like a weird thing. It was like, I just had this compulsion to go buy, paint and all this stuff and i had this idea in my head of what i wanted to paint it was like a landscape type thing and it's like i kind of knew what i needed and it's like i could see myself doing it like i Mm -hmm. had this visualization of me doing it and it was like this really strong need to like go buy this stuff which that in itself isn't weird for me like i'll go to the craft store and i'll be like i have this project i'm gonna do but all of a sudden i'm like i don't paint i've never painted before in my life I don't know how to paint. I've never painted a damn thing. (laughs) My craft skills are not involved with painting. And I really, truly feel in my heart that this was my uncle. It's like he wanted me to paint. So I've taken it upon myself to try to, you know, hone this skill that's awful. Sorry, Uncle Brad. It's (laughs) horrible. But I feel like he wants me to paint. And so I'm doing it. I'm I'm working at it. We're starting with a paint by number, Yeah, but, you know, that I'm, helps. I'm doing it, you know? So it just, I, I just, I, I kind of encourage the listeners out there to maybe just be open, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not saying go dig out a Ouija board, but just be open. You never know what might pop into your head that sometimes has a connection. And if you think too much, it's not going to work. Right.
1: I know there's a lot of stuff that I will I feel like my dad's telling me to do Mm -hmm. this thing. You know what I mean? Like my dad passed away a few years ago Mm -hmm. and I'll like just get this thought in my head and then I'd be like, yeah, that's my dad.
0: Like he would would want
1: me to do this. Exactly.
0: And I think that's what it is. If you try to think too much about it, if you try to be too logical, rational, you're going to debunk it. You're going to say it's this or it's that or whatever, but it comes back to the – to. Why are you doing it? Are you trying to like prove it wrong or whatever? Right. Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. If 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 it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel connected to that person, then go with it. Yeah. That's what I look at it as. I like that. Yeah. So anyway, coming back to the subject, you know, I feel like with this discussion, we're talking about the human element of this, you know, these are people that are actively trying to much like we just discussed, they're actively trying to engage in the phenomena. There are people that clearly are trying to use it to their advantage, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe are faking it, you know, maybe are finding ways to monetize it. But then there's also people that truly seem to have some type of gift that are maybe more sensitive, that are actively seeking out these experiences. Mm -hmm. Right? So right now we're talking about like the human element of this. And I think we're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, these are spirits. These are people who were living and now they're not. And that's who, who these people are. So we're going to shift gears now. We're going to move into a couple different stories that are going to maybe challenge what we're talking about here. Ooh, I'm excited! Okay, so now that we know a little bit about some of the ways that people have sought out to interact with spirits, let's get into our first case study here. So Joe Fisher, oh, like Jeremy Fisher. Jeremy Fisher. If anyone is a fan of Salad Fingers, look at the reference. <laughs> So anyway, he wasn't back from any great war, but (laughs) this was the 80s. So Joe Fisher was an investigative journalist in Canada, and he was like somewhat interested in the metaphysical and the occult, but he still considered himself somewhat of a novice. And he was interested in the world of mediumship. And he found himself in the home of Aviva Newman, which this is a pseudonym, which I love the name Aviva, by the way. Yeah, such a pretty name. Now Aviva sadly had leukemia. Hey, it's
1: a palindrome.
0: It's Oh a my same. Gosh. Yeah, You're right. It is. I never even noticed that. I love a good palindrome. I know me too. <laughs> so Aviva had leukemia and she sought out hypnotic healing as sort of like a last resort. And she just kept getting more and more sick. So unlike Joe, Aviva didn't have any interest in this stuff. She just was looking at any at any way to feel better so she had no idea what would happen when she was under hypnosis she was like if there's any way that this is gonna help my illness then i'll do it but what they found is that when she went under hypnosis she would start to speak in different voices and people would come through her and they would communicate. And she'd have no memory of any of this. She had no idea what was happening under these sessions, but she would start talking about things that she had no way of knowing in her waking life. So for example, she would have like a sudden knowledge of military history or a command of a language that she didn't know anything about or an extremely convincing British accent or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, Roger Bellingcourt was a hypnotist, and Russell was Roger's spirit guide. And Russell was who started coming through Aviva. And they started holding these regular meetings where people would come and they would meet with Aviva, and she'd go under, and um, they would start holding sort of almost like seances, but not like the seances that, you know, you'd think of with the dim lights and stuff like that. I mean, she would just fall asleep on a couch and people would start talking through her. Mm -hmm. So this is who would usually speak through Aviva was Russell. And this particular day, Roger asked Russell for information on Joe's spirit guide. And suddenly Aviva spoke with a masculine English accent, which was Russell's. Russell was supposedly a sheep farmer in Yorkshire during the 1800s. And he explains that Philippa was the name of Joe's guide. And she had been with him through many lifetimes. They'd alternated roles through different incarnations together. And in the last lifetime that they spent together, they were together in Greece from 1718 to 1771. So it sounds like these people would kind of travel together in spirit groups, you know? So you, for example, maybe you and your husband would be together through different lifetimes, maybe not as husband and wife, but as like brother and sister, or, you know, maybe one time he was the, the, woman and you were the man and you know it seems like these people would travel together in groups and then that's usually how they'd become your spirit guide because they're not on the earthbound plane
1: yeah makes sense do you think that maybe you used to be a cat I feel like you I've been
0: a cat definitely was a cat in another <laughs> life and I hope to be one in my next life <laughs> yeah <laughs> I hope to be Lola specifically one of my cats mm-hmm. yeah so there's another thing that you need to know about this whole thing, and this is kind of confusing, but it's it becomes important a little bit later on. The guides explain that there are two types of human beings on the planet, souls and entities. So souls are created from desire and entities are born of knowledge. So the two types are fundamentally different. No guide, so no spirit guide is ever available to anyone who's been classified as a soul. So Joe, I guess, who is the author, the guy that we're talking about in this book, he is an entity according to Russell, and he's always been an entity created from knowledge. So this is a little confusing and I can't really promise it's ever gonna make more sense, but it comes into play a little bit down the road. So it's also important to realize that sometimes people came to these meetings with Aviva and they were kind of turned away because they were deemed a soul. So Russell would be like, oh, you're a soul. I'm sorry. You can't join our club. Oh. So what do you think you are? A soul or an entity? Souls are born of desire and entities like, are born of knowledge. I feel like I'm a soul. I think I'm a soul too. Yeah. Like I feel like nuts and bolts people are considered entities and people who are more like, spiritual and creative are more yeah. souls based off of, of this that's kind of how i take
1: it yeah especially if it's born of desires like i just picture all my obsessions
0: with yeah demons. totally <laughs> like, like so i would go there and they'd be like you can't be part of our club because you're a soul and i'd be like peace out guys yeah. you guys suck anyway i don't want to be in this stupid club <laughs> Joe keeps going back to Aviva to make contact with Philippa. Now remember, Philippa's the Greek soul guide that apparently is like his guide. So Roger explains that it's really hard for these these guides to speak through Aviva right away, like Russell does usually they can over time but it takes some practice and what usually happens is russell is kind of like the go-between and he relates the messages so usually you're not directly talking with your spirit guide you're talking with russell and russell will like tell them the messages so anyway the next visit with aviva felipe able to make contact through russell and she explains that joe is a good candidate to make contact with because of his self-discipline and style of thought process. So he's feeling like puffs up his shirt like, oh, I'm a good candidate for this. Mm-hmm. So she says that he should put a ta- put aside time each day to think about Philippa and try to make contact with her and try to establish a connection. And she says that having connection with his guide would offer new companionship since he's had much instability of companionship in his life and philippa feels that she can become the old sock of comfort which is an odd phrase did you say sock? yes (laughs) an old sock of comfort well there you go yes i mean i know that when i'm feeling uncomfortable i seek out that that old old sock sock. it's got a hole in it but it's still good yeah but just fits just right so that right there is something that to him was rather startling not the sock comment (laughs) but the comment about that he's had a hard time finding companionship because she's right and on face value now he's from he's not from Canada he's from London he's moved there and on face value he has a living girlfriend I mean he has a girlfriend so anyone that would like look at his life would be like oh yeah you know you you have companionship but This has been something that's plagued him through his life. He's had a hard time finding these long-term relationships and keeping them. So how would she know that? And if all this was BS, how would they know that too? Because again, on the surface, it seems that he's got companionship. So Mm -hmm. that to him was a little like, huh, maybe there is something to this. So He decides that he's going to do this. He spends time to think of Philippa each day, and he tries to make a connection with her, and he continues to go to these sessions with Aviva, and he speaks with Philippa through Russell, and a few things happen. So first, he gets to know Philippa more through these sessions, and he's starting to establish a real connection with her. He also notices that when he does these connection sessions, which to him is essentially like a meditation, like he'll set aside time and he'll just like think about Philippa, but he'll start to notice this buzzing feeling in his ears when he's thinking about her. And she'll actually confirm that, oh, that's me. That, That means it's working. I'm making this buzzing feeling, that's me saying that I can sense the connection that you're trying to make with me. So he feels like these, you know, all these efforts that he's putting into it are being like, it's working, you know, he also starts to imagine Philippa's dark eyes and long black tresses. So, I mean, that kind of gives us a hint that this is becoming like personal, Mm -hmm. you know? Joe starts to ask some questions because along the way, he also decides to write a book on this whole encounter. Remember, he's an investigative journalist. So there's part of him that's still kind of skeptical, and he wants to verify some information to prove that this might be real. So he decides that he's going to ask Philippa some questions. So if she's actually his spirit guide, she should be able to know some information about him right right so he says when did i arrive in canada and from where did i come and philippa through russell explains that time is very different for her on where she is than it is on the earthbound plane which is where we are she says that she hasn't worked with time since leaving earth so she doesn't really understand and she doesn't understand the question coming to Canada. She says, "You were born on earth and you've never left earth. What's Canada?" So obviously, this line of questioning is a bust. This is not going to work. And Joe realizes that Canada wasn't even around when she was air quotes alive. So, I mean, it was kind of a stupid question. And this makes him realize that if he wants to verify information, he needs to really start with them. He needs to get facts about their Lifetimes and seek validation then, not the other way around, because Mm -hmm. it's just not going to work. They don't look at the plane of time the way that we do. Apparently, Philippa was born in Greece in a tiny village, and they lived in this place called Theros together. And Joe lived there too. And this village was five days' walk from the Black Sea. As time goes by, a few more things happen. Joe becomes engrossed in these sessions in Philippa, and he even admits to visualizing secret liaisons with a raven-haired beauty. Oh, liaisons. Yes, so we can see where this is going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Giggity. So another thing that happens is his girlfriend leaves him so he brings her to a session and she gets totally creeped out by this and she is also i think just over her boyfriend being obsessed with this spirit guy that he's in love with and so she's like i'm out dude and on the flip side joe's like rachel which was his girlfriend just doesn't get me like philippa does and she doesn't accept me the way that philippa does and He says that Philippa and him seem to think alike, feel alike, and see the world from near identical perspectives. Philippa was gradually taking Rachel's space in his life. So, I mean, this is not a real person. This is a spirit. Can you imagine having to tell your friends, oh, why didn't it work out between you two? (laughs) He's obsessed with a spirit that's being channeled through a lady. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Yes.
0: So, you know... We can kind of see that this is maybe becoming a slightly unhealthy situation, right? Also, something new happens. Philippa is able to come through Aviva like the way Russell does. So now we're able to speak directly with Philippa.
1: Oh, gosh. Through Aviva. I I feel like I might know where this is going, and I'm hoping it's
0: not, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go there. They don't need Russell now. And Philippa is able to speak English, her explanation is she picked up English in a past life, but she still has this Greek accent and she gets tripped up on words here and there, which Joe, of course, finds so endearing and all that. So I'll get more into these conversations, but for the sake of time, I'm kind of moving us along here and like, by the way, I'm skipping lots of parts of this book because just for sake of time, we can't get into it. So mm-hmm. I still recommend people read this book. It's it's like wild, like there's so much in this and I'm leaving out a lot. So I definitely recommend you pick up this book. But, so anyway, Joe has this conversation with Russell at one point and pay attention to this conversation because there's there's some important pieces here. Joe tells Russell that he's thinking about writing a book on all this. And Russell says, now remember, Russell's a spirit. Perhaps the idea that you must first establish is whether a guide is in fact a guide or a playful spirit and not a guide at all. You will find that there are playful spirits or indeed what you may term as fakes. You will find more souls, more belief, more acceptance without questioning. If you do not recognize one from the other with electricity i don't actually know what that word is but me neither yeah we'll just pretend you may find yourself in a soul entrapment type of situation now you are a very intelligent man and you have chosen well however i must caution you even the most intelligent among us have and will become caught in soul entrapment so this is a warning from russell the spirit Hmm. so I mean, he's essentially saying that Joe needs to question everything and not accept things at face value. So there's another thing that Russell gets really pissed off about. Now, do not make the mistake of calling these entities spirits. Russell, Philippa, all of them, they are not spirits. They claim that they are people just like you and I. They just do not have bodies anymore. So keep this in your head, tuck it in the memory bank somewhere because it's kind of important. So eventually now images start popping into Joe's head. So in one instance during meditation, an actual image swims into Joe's head of a dusty pathway that's winding between two large boulders and leading into the distance during their next session philippa confirms that the vision was their spot and that's where they used to like sit they used to have like liaisons together there it sounds like it was kind of like this like romeo and juliet situation where they weren't supposed to be together and whatever Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) and she explains that all this hard work and focus that he's doing all the energy key word energy that he's putting into this connection is now starting to work. And she's able to actually communicate directly with him through these images. So let's talk more about the cast of characters here because Joe is now attempting to corroborate some of the information that he's been given during these sessions. Remember, he's trying to write that book. So one of the characters, his name is Ernest. He was a guide to a poet named Tony. And Tony is one of the people that comes to these meetings. Ernest fought as a bomber pilot in World War II in the Royal Air Force. He was a flying officer. His actual name was William Alfred Scott. Ernest is somehow a nickname for, okay. <laughs> for those names. Sometimes these nicknames just don't make sense. I know. At all. I know. Um, so he was in the 99th Squadron Group 3 Bomber Command, and he describes his weight, his height, his looks. He even explains that he was prone to being slightly overweight. He was born in Brighton, raised in Bristol. He even named the streets and schools that he frequented. He said that he attended Bristol University where he studied math and engineering under Jonathan Langley. He joined the Royal Air Force in 1937 at 20 years old. Really super specific details. He talks about flying Wimpy or Wellington bombers. I guess Wimpy was like a nickname for these bombers. He described the plane in details. He talks about the motors that they had and the design. He talked about dropping leaflets over Nazi Germany and said that they called it Nickling. Um, He talked about participating in anti-shipping strikes. And he remembered the situation where they ended up sleeping in the grandstands of the Rowley Mile racecourse. So, really, really specific details. Mm-hmm. So, Ernest said that he died in a bombing raid in 1944 at the age of 27. He was not killed instantly, but his body was finally discovered under a collapsed building on a street called Sandwich Place. And he volunteers this information. It's not like Joe is trying to pull it out of him, he's very forthcoming. So, Joe tries to check this out. Now, at first, Some of it checks out Wimpy being the nickname for the Wellington bomber checks out the information about nickeling and the bombing raids, the anti shipping raids, all these things were confirmed and his squadron, the 99th squadron, they did these things. So Joe finds that, yes, there were 11 aircraft that were flown to Newmarket and sleeping accommodations were found in the Rowley Mile Grandstand. And there's even photos. So all these things check out. And I should mention that they live in Canada. So Australian-born Aviva in the 1980s would have had a hard time finding some of this information. Yeah. So... Seems like it checks out. The 99th Squadron books, however, do not show any William Alfred Scott, or Ernest for that matter, any combination of that name. Some of the other names that were mentioned in his stories, like people that he flew with, other people that were in his squadron, literally none of them are corroborated. Furthermore, there was no William Alfred Scott who'd ever been born in Brighton in 1917 or died in Coventry in 1944. No one by that name was enrolled at Bristol during the years given, and there was no Jonathan Langley, which is remember who he said he studied under. Even the streets Ernest provided that he said that he frequented, they didn't exist either. Hmm. So, Joe brings this up to Ernest, and Ernest is like, I gave you enough information, you should have been able to track it down. And then he says that he's going to reincarnate. So remember, these are spirits and the way that it apparently works is they have the option if they want to reincarnate into another body or if they want to stay on the earthbound plane. And sometimes the reason why they reincarnate is because you're working towards a final goal. Supposedly, if any of this is real, you're working towards like a karmic goal, basically. Mm -hmm. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to reincarnate. So he provides the information to Russell, the spirit, remember, of the date of birth, the place of birth, the parents' names, and where he was going to be born, of the body that he was going to reincarnate into. Now, this information checks out. Jeez. So Joe waits and he finds a child born right when he said he was supposed to be born with the birth date. With the name, with the parents, in the town, exactly like it said that it was supposed to be, according to Russell. That's crazy. So this brings us to question here. Why would Ernest have provided information that so easily could have been proven wrong. Mm -hmm. He knew that the whole point was for him to verify this information. It's not like it was a secret. He knew that that's what he was doing. Yeah. So why was some of it clearly correct? I mean, there was a lot of it that was totally correct. But the stuff about him as a person, who he was supposed to be, the things that, you know, you shouldn't have to research, the things you should just know, why was that complete BS? But yet, this whole thing about reincarnating, someone that was going to be born in the future, how was he able to provide the name and address and parents' names and birth date and birth time and town of a child that hadn't even been born yet? Yeah. So it really makes you kind of go, what's happening here? It's it's like, are they able to have access to some info but not all of it? Mm Mm-hmm so now let's get to philippa because obviously this raises some red flags you know so now he's starting to go you know i'm in love with this disembodied spirit but i really I really need to verify it mm-hmm. because I don't know. I mean, what's his end game here? Is he going to marry a spirit? I don't know.
1: So, people- I mean, people have married dogs. This is true. We were just having per for our last podcast in case you were listening.
0: Like- <laughs> yes, this is true. We actually had a whole conversation about this before we recorded with my husband <laughs> earlier. Too. So now we're going to talk about Philippa and let's see if any of her information checks out. So she said she lives in Theros. She spoke of visiting the city of Alexandropolis, which there's a lot of vowels in that word, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) He also records Philippa in a tape recorder speaking. He asks her to describe a walk from Theros to their special spot in her native tongue, and she explains, this is hard. That would be unfair of thinking about this because it's so difficult i want to think about something happier and so he's like okay whatever just say something in greek Mm -hmm. so she utters a few sentences that sounded to him like greek so he takes this tape recorder and he gives it to someone he knows that works at the greek consulate in toronto and they analyze the recording and they said that it sounds like philippa which is i mean keep in mind This is a viva. Yeah, this isn't even I mean, this is Philippa speaking through a viva. It sounds like a native speaker who is splicing their tongue with words from another language, or maybe two languages to form a local dialect. They were only able to translate small parts of what it had to say so i mean this is kind of a red flag so i know Mm -hmm. that she lived in a small town and i know that this was a while ago but it's only the 1700s i find it really hard to believe that they wouldn't be able to understand anything that they were saying right i mean we can go back and understand english from the 1700s quite easily so i don't know i just find that a little bit of a red flag very sus i guess it's no surprise when joe flies all the way to greece stop yes he flies all the way to greece and let me tell you he ends up going through hell trying to find theros he leaves no stone unturned and there's like all these hoops he has to jump through like he has to get special permission because he's like on the border of like turkey and it's like kind of a, a like a conflict zone or whatever like it's a whole thing that he goes through Mm -hmm. but obviously all the stuff is bs there's no village of theros most obviously incorrect was the city of alexandropolis she couldn't have visited it because it's named after a 20th century monarch there's no way that there would have been a city named alexandropolis in the 18th century. It wouldn't have existed. It would have been named something else. Now, this begs the question again, why would the guides have provided information that so easily could have been proven to be BS? Let me tell you about one more acquaintance from the group. This is Sanford. So originally, and sons, I know every time (laughs) I heard that I was like. So originally, Roger was the only person that was able to hypnotize Aviva. That's how all this started. So Sanford, it's kind of a long story, but the spirit guides tell him that he's special. He's not like the other members of the group. He's actually a master healer. And I mean, he's thinking like, I'm just like a an office worker, dude, like he owned his own business. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like he was into this sort of thing. He just kind of went to go check it out. And all of a sudden, they're like, Oh, you're a master healer. And so they tell him that he has actually been with Aviva through many lives. And he has been training through five separate incarnations for this moment to heal Aviva. Because remember, she has leukemia. And I'm sure the spirits are like, well, if she dies, we're kind of screwed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So his guide start teaching him how to heal her. And it's through like Reiki type stuff. So he holds his fingers over her. And he said that he actually could feel his fingers getting warmer. And he's somehow doing something to heal her leukemia. And without doing this, she would surely die. Like she only had a few months left. But at the same time, they tell him that his wife is a soul. So remember, he's an entity she's a soul Mm -hmm. and so she can't be part of this whole little club there's no spirit guide for her so as time goes on sanford starts to suffer from fierce emotional fluctuations and really like the only time that he feels good is when he's healing aviva and the guides tell him that it's because of his wife his wife is actually trying to kill him by projecting powerful negative energies towards him to make a long story short Poor Samford, he loses his family, he nearly loses his job, everything, and they're actually trying, and I think this is where you thought it was going between um, Philippa and Joe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are actually trying to establish like a sexual relationship between Aviva and the Samford guy. Okay they're trying to say that like you guys have had this relationship through like many lifetimes and they're trying to establish like this romantic connection between the two of them Hmm. and you're the only one who can save her and you're the only one who can you know protect her from this leukemia spreading and so it puts him in this situation where he's in like a position of power over the rest of the group. Like keep in mind, Roger, who was the guy who was hypnotizing her, he's not even the one who's doing it anymore. It's actually the Sanford dude. So Sanford now is like, he feels that he's stuck because he feels horrible. He's lost his wife. He's lost his job. He's lost everything. He's like, nervous and jittery. And Joe mentions that when he sees them, he like looks like, you know, hell, you know, because he's just living this horrible life. And he starts to feel that, you know what? Maybe it's because I'm going to these spirit guides. Maybe this is the problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's all the energy that I'm putting into this. It's having some type of a negative effect on me. You don't say. Yeah. You don't say he mentions to russell the spirit that maybe he doesn't want to do this anymore and russell tells sanford that he would surely commit suicide in a fit of depression if he leads the group jeez so sanford obviously is you know nervous about leaving the group he feels like he's somehow angered the spirits in some way mm. but he does it anyway And immediately his life starts to improve. He feels more calm. He makes amends with his wife. He starts to rebuild the, the business that you know he had lost, and it was on the brink of collapse. And he starts to feel himself again. And what's interesting is Joe and him are meeting like at a coffee shop. It's almost like they're having like this like secret meeting because, you know, Joe is now starting to question all this, and he feels like he almost needs to be like secretive about it. You know, a secret affair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's like he's in a cult and he's meeting someone from the outside and he needs to be like secretive about meeting Mm -hmm. him. So, this gets Joe to thinking, you know, maybe I need to get away from these entities. You know, maybe this is what is causing me to feel more anxious and more jittery. And, you know, he definitely notices that his quality of life has not been better since this has happened. You Mm -hmm. know, he's isolated himself from other people. And I mean, think about it. He's spending all this time trying to establish this connection with the spirit entity. He's supposed to take hours out of his life to focus on her, to devote energy towards her. And he's starting to think, you know, I think this is the problem, but first I need to write this book. And he starts to feel that he's angered the spirits in some way by writing this book, because it's not favorable. He's outing them, he's basically saying, I don't know what's behind this. There's definitely some information that they know that's real. And they knew things about Joe and his personal thoughts that no one else could have known, but there's clearly a lot of BS happening there. Let me just leave this story here because Joe wrote that book. That's how we know about this. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he angered the spirits. He actually mentioned it to his editor in chief. He mentioned that the spirits were probably angered as a result of writing the book and that they were still causing him trouble even after its publication. He didn't really go into detail into what that trouble was, but he was still having issues. So I think it's important to tell you what happened to Joe. Joe committed suicide. At the age of 53, on May 9th, 2001, after throwing himself off a limestone cliff in Canada. One newspaper suggests that he may have actually been murdered. Oh my gosh. So, shortly before his death, the book, The Siren Call of Hungry Ghosts, had been republished. And that's the book that we just used to cover all this. That's terrifying. So, I'm gonna leave that there. Mm-hmm. because I think that there's a lot to unpack with that. What was he talking to? And I think that it's very interesting how they were so adamant, you know, we're not, Yeah, we are not spirits, we're people, we're people. And it seemed like they really wanted to, to feed off the energy of people. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder, were these people were these spirits that were living i don't think that they were because they would have had a life that they could have corroborated details from yeah so what are they so i think we'll get into that probably on our next episode because we're going to leave that here and we're going to get into part two of our spirit entity discussion. Now, if you are a bonus subscriber, you can actually listen to the next episode right now because we are going to le- release it at the same time. So you can check out part two of this discussion, which you're not gonna miss. We have one of the most puzzling stories that I have literally ever read in my, in my life that's coming up next that we're gonna cover. And you can listen to that right now if you're a bonus subscriber. Um, If you wanna become a bonus subscriber, all you gotta do is click on the locked episode and it'll walk you through subscribing. It's only $1.99 a month and you can get all of our locked content. Um, We have basically a whole bonus season that runs in tandem with our free content. Um, So you can check that out and catch up on any episodes that you might have missed. But for anyone who is not a bonus subscriber, our next episode will come out on Sunday, the following Sunday. And, you know, next week you'll be able to catch up on part two of our whole spirit entity discussion. So thanks for listening. I hope you found this interesting. And I am so excited to cover part two in our next episode. We'll see you then. See you then. I want to remind everyone to check out the show notes for links on everything that we talked about in this podcast. The main book that we used for this episode was called The Siren Call of Hungry Ghosts, A Riveting Investigation into Channeling and Spirit Guides by Joe Fisher. We covered a lot of the book, but we left out a huge chunk of the story. So for sure, pick up a copy of that and check out some of the stuff that we didn't cover in the podcast. We also welcome you to check out our affiliate link in the show notes to Philips 1-800-FLORALS. Supporting our sponsors is an easy way to support the podcast. Check out their link for more information.